Good evening, folks. Zach Weiss with you here, as always, on the latest edition of Across the Cavs. Post game, February 1st, 2024. A lot to get to. We're going to waste no time. So join me as we go through all the latest happenings from Cavalier Kingdom and the craziness of the NBA All-Star and recent discussions about awards. 65 games, the right number. All this and more. Network 216 Across the Cavs. All old Z. Let's go. <laughs> All right, folks, welcome back. Whole lot happening around the league right now. There's a lot of places we can go. We'll start with the win for the Cavs. They continue to put victories up, playing a very high level of ball. They disposed of the Grizzlies the day after disposing of the Pistons, three days after taking care of business with the mighty, mighty Los Angeles Clippers, who have not won but two all-star reserves in the form of Paul George and Kawhi, fun guy, the Terminator, Leonard. So three wins this week. One more game is still to come on Saturday against a guy you could call an all-star snub. You could call him one of the most talented 20-year-olds in the world. You could call him a problem because that's what we're going to be doing all Saturday night. Victor Wembanyama. Wemby. You're going to have a whole lot of nicknames on his basketball reference page if you pull it up. In a year or two, we're going to do it now. Let's see. What do we have? Nicknames. Wemby, the extraterrestrial, and Vic. Vic? That's not very creative. His name is Victor. You're taking out the turd just going to Vic. But we're not here to dissect whether or not the nicknames of Wembanyama are cool. We're here to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Donovan Mitchell, 25-4-7, came through. He did get injured. He left the game early, but Jared Allen continued his... Historic double-double streak, the longest in Cavs history. Two fourth-quarter triples for Mr. Sam Merrill. With Allen out, they're already without Tristan Thompson, who is suspended, extremely shorthanded up front. Damian Jones got the third-quarter minutes, and Dean Wade played the entire fourth, wound up being a team best, plus 19. There's just something about Dean Wade and his plus-minus and just always being impressive. What about seven points, six rebounds, and three blocks for Damian Jones? A lot of us have had negative things to say about him this year. Rightfully so. He hasn't looked great, but today he was solid. Cavs got an impressive win over the Grizzlies. GG Jackson and David Roddy shot a combined four of 26. Jaron Jackson has to take 23 shots to get to 25 points. The Cavs forcing 12 Grizzlies turnovers. They did commit 14 of their own. Cavs shot 40% from three. Of Memphis to 31.6%. By the way, players uh, to appear for the Grizzlies you may not have heard of before because you might be what some would call a casual. You might be new to the league. They got 10-day contract signing Trey Jemison. They got former Richmond point guard Jacob Gilliard with two uh, important fourth quarter threes. Rookie Gigi Jackson. A great story on Bleacher Report about his playing time and how he wasn't as coachable and how it ended up leading to him leaving early, being a second-round pick. Scotty Pippen Jr., yes, the son of Scotty Pippen, started the game and had 10-4-4 for Memphis, along with three steals. All that truly matters is that the Cavs came out of this with the win. Levert shot 6-10, of 10, though he was a minus 11. Strews was a plus 13, 11 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. He shot 4-8. of eight. As soon as he came in, you knew good things were going to happen. Darius, four for 10, though he did have those third quarter baskets. Nine points, seven assists. He was plus two. He's hopefully going to get his legs under him, find a way to fit into the rotation. 
Not the best day for George Niang. Isaac Okoro did his thing on the defensive end. And hey, it wasn't the prettiest game. And yet, the Cleveland Cavaliers, ladies and gentlemen, just picked up their 30th win to get to 30-16 and 16 for the season. I mean, right? That's what you want. You want your team to win basketball games. That's what we're out here to watch it. We're watching for wins, not losses. We're watching for the wins. And they just keep coming. doesn't matter who they seem to be up against. And look, the last two days against the Pistons and Grizzlies, two shorthanded teams, two teams going the wrong direction this season, they weren't pretty. It took clutch play both times. And guess what? Donovan Mitchell was up for the task. It's an up and down season. But during this impressive winning streak, they've just found guys ready to execute when they've needed it. And two clutch wins in a row on a back-to-back deserves an awful lot of credit. You know, coming here on the road, second second end of a back-to-back, never easy. Just get not being in the city for very long before suiting up. But they did. They got out there. And the Cavs won the game because they've embraced this next-man-up mentality whether it's been Merrill, whether it's been Jones, whoever's had to come in and make plays. That dog chain has gotten passed around from player to player because so many different guys are deserving. That is the sign of a winning basketball team. And now just wait till they're full strength, guys. And everyone knows their role and everyone's ready because it's going to be even better. Just you wait. So that's talking about the recent stretch. Things are looking good. Again, we got the Spurs and Wemby on Saturday. And let's talk about these all-star rosters because my, oh my, are there a lot. There are snubs galore. Trey Young did not make it to the all-star game. No Chris Stops. No Jimmy Butler. Now we can look at a lot of players across the board who can be called snubs. Derek White is not one of those snubs. You'll get Pascal Siakam. You can look at DeMar DeRozan. You can look at every team and probably find a way to find this. Not crazy that Trey genuinely is not in that game. On the Western Conference side, how do the Kings not have an all-star man? De'Aaron Fox is averaging 27-4-5, man. De'Aaron Fox was an all-star last year, averaging 25 points. He's averaging 27 now. They haven't gotten any worse. Look at the DeMontis Sabonis stats. He's ha- he had another triple-double last night. He's averaging 20 points, 13 rebounds, and 8 assists, bro. Like, how is he not in? He has more points per game than last year, more assists, a higher field goal percentage, a much higher three-point percentage. How is he not in? The Kings have been fine. Let me look at the Kings record for a second here. The Kings have gone 27-19. and 19. They're fifth in the West. You know, Devin Booker's incredible, and he probably deserves to get in, but you're going to give PG and Kawhi the nod over both Fox and Sabonis. You're going to give Cat the opportunity. He's averaging 22-8 and eight over Sabonis, who's got better numbers, has been more effective for his team. I don't – it's a hard decision. I'm happy I'm not on this committee. You know, Jared Allen did not get in. Let's look at his overall numbers for the season. And, yes, this is me just spouting off statistical numbers, whatever. He's averaged 15-11. and 11. With three assists, making 65% of his shots, 1.1 blocks per contest. He got into the All-Star game two years ago, averaging 16, 11, 
16 points, so about the same. 11 rebounds, about the same. 1.6 assists, less. Field goal percentage, about the same. Cavs are a top four team in the East. You know, 30 and 16 now. Probably should have gotten a thought, but Julius Randle is going to miss this All-Star game. There's a chance Joel Embiid, please get well soon, Joel. He might miss this All-Star game, and that's going to lead us into our next topic of discussion. Maybe Allen does get in, but my most interesting name that got in from the list we had, and very, very happy for him. He's only in his second year. Paolo Boncaro is averaging 23-7-5. He went from being a 30% three-point shooter to a 34% three-point shooter. He clearly worked on his game. Magic haven't been amazing since their hot start. They're 25 and 23, but here they are. So credit to him. He found his way into this game. Tyrese Maxey got in. You can't really call him a snub per se with everyone else from Mikael Bridges. Averaging 22, 5, and 4. Did not get in. Lamelo Ball has been injured. The Wizards and Pistons don't have much of a say. The Kings, by the way, are the only top five team in the two conferences without an all-star because they're two, what I would call, borderline superstars. Best closer in the game by the numbers last year, De'Aaron Fox. They don't have any. Luka got in because he's missed so many games. Kyrie obviously did not. The Pelicans don't have one. Brandon Ingram's not there. Anthony Davis, look at his numbers. Could you call him a, an incorrect selection? It's hard to say that because averaging 25, 12, and 4, hitting 55% of his shots. He's been healthy this year. Might play 70 games for the first time since coming to L.A. at the great he's been at, although he has now missed two contests in a row. The Lakers beat the Celtics on national TV without Davis and LeBron, and then Vanderbilt going down early in the game. So a very impressive victory for them. Give them a lot of credit because a lot of folks were saying, oh, no, ratings down. We're not going to watch. Well, you missed an Austin Reeves masterclass and D'Angelo Russell improving his trade value even further while giving the Lakers some hope in a crowded conference. Larry Markkinen didn't get into the All-Star game. Thought he certainly deserved some consideration. He made it last year. He's not much worse. He's had some worse games. Shangun did not get in. The Grizzlies, Blazers, and Spurs. Of course, that's that. But here's here's what I want to talk about. Having a very, very heated discussion over these last couple days about this with somebody who's a big Sixers fan. Joel Embiid has been in and out of the lineup in recent weeks. If you look at his games played, he's now missed three out of the last five since scoring 70 points. A big, big night for him to score 70. We watched him score 70 and Cat almost mirror him before getting benched down the stretch. Cat might be the first player to go from chasing 70 to chasing a spot on the bench at the end of a game because he was doing too much. Coach wasn't having it. Chris Finch pulled him. They ended up losing the game to the Hornets, by the way. Terry Rozier traded the next day. But Cat is in the All-Star game, so cool, right? Depends who you ask. Joel Embiid, with his torn meniscus, he's only appeared, by the way, in 34 games this season. Been in and out of the rotation all year long. He has averaged 35, 11, and 6. 53% of his shots have gone in, 37% of his threes. The new rule is that in order to be eligible for awards, you have to play in 70% of your team's game. That's 65 out of 82. And now I don't play in the NBA. 
I also don't broadcast in the NBA. If a broadcaster has to miss a game or two for being sick, no one questions it. Also, keep in mind that the streak of consecutive games for announcers is in the thousands, and there's several of them if you go up and down. George Blaha had an incredible stint. Ralph Lawler had himself a long one. Some guy, Mike Gorman, is probably doing every game for decades. All these big, long-time com, Joe Tate, these guys don't miss games. Just look at the list. I could go on naming a bunch, but let's look up the longest streak for commentators. Ed Cohen called a football game this year, college football. He ended up being out because of it. Called a college football game with an inability to say any words properly out loud. If you heard him talking, you'd think he was possessed by another worldly beast that was destroying his lungs. Nonetheless, if a commentator misses 16 of 82 games, and they're not on that home road split as they get older. And maybe you see some teams doing that like Boston. You saw Houston do it uh, towards the end with Bill Worrell. Plenty of teams have done it, but that's not good. If your teacher misses 16 days of, of class out of 82, that's not good. If your top employee on the marketing team misses 16 days of work out of 82, that's not good. The problem here is that this season is 82 games. Players get tired. They still have back-to-backs, okay? But if you think about things, okay, it's not easy. I'm not a player. I've never played at that level. I don't understand the durability, the physicality, everything required to be available every night. But some players still are. Mikael Bridges hasn't missed a game yet in five years. He's not playing as physical as Joel Embiid or as Kevin Durant or any of these guys just keep getting hurt, okay? But if your contract states you have to play a certain number of games to get paid and you're hurt, then whatever. You're making a ton. Few of these players are in a position where losing this money is going to destroy their lives. Obviously, it's in the contract. You want all of it. You want to earn it. You want that payday as a result of it. You want your all-NBA nod because of the games you played. But let's be real about this. In all these other professions and lines of work, it doesn't matter what the field is. If you're missing more than 30% of days at absolute worst, why should you be nominated? If Embiid plays 55 of 82 games, is he really the most valuable player? The saying goes that availability is the best ability. Now, you obviously have to be on the court to perform, and you have to have the ability that matters in the first place. But if you're missing all these games because your body's letting you down, why should you be paid extra for sitting out? If your contract isn't tied to that, then please go ahead and collect what's yours. That's not for me to say. I'm not counting anybody's money. And for me, you make what you make. It's wonderful when you're good enough at something to make it to the top and get paid tens of hundreds of millions to entertain millions and billions of people around the world, millions of people around the world, right? Doing what you're good at, whether you're an actor, whether you're in the theater, the Cirque du Soleil street performer, but more vile, you know, athlete, singer. It's impressive when you can get to that level. 
in what you do. If Taylor Swift is missing 16 of 82 concerts, she sure as hell is not getting any form of sympathy from whatever stipulation she had to make to get her, her money for whatever, whatever it is. And, and we're not going into the Swift Kelsey thing. I'm happy. They're happy. And that's all I have to say about it. But um, I disagree with all these people saying you have to rework things. You can blame the people that create contracts with these stipulations that you have to play X or Y number of games. The player gets hurt. The player gets hurt. That's that. Do you really want to hand MVP to a player that misses two-thirds of the season, potentially? Joel Embiid played 31 of 82 games his rookie season and was still runner-up for Rookie of the Year. He was actually the number two candidate behind Malcolm Brogdon. Embiid's rookie season, his numbers were certainly better than Brogdon. He averaged 20 points, eight rebounds, two assists. You're wondering what Brogdon averaged that year? 10 points, three rebounds, four assists. Might be the worst Rookie of the Year stat line ever. But Embiid wasn't ready. He wasn't available. Maybe the only exception uh, to this might be Brandon Roy, who won Rookie of the Year, missing 25 games. He missed them almost all in a row, but then played, what, 50 straight to end the season. He averaged 17, 4, and 4. Probably, uh, that's, but that was a different time as well. Everybody's playing back then. 82 games is hard to achieve right now. Some say shorten the season. I don't know. But that's the answer. I think the answer is no more back-to-backs, especially traveling back-to-back. I can have a back-to-back. May as well make it at home or put it, put the two games in the same city, New York, New York, L.A., L.A., or keep them close to each other, a la Indiana, Chicago, et cetera, et cetera. You can play a whole division over the span of a week. You can spend a week traveling, but it's to these different close-by venues. Your bodies are tired. You're changing time zones. You're getting worn out. But they've always done this. Michael Jordan was getting thrown to the ground by the Pistons every night and still not missing a game. He was still putting up his 40. Think about Kobe Bryant in the 2000s. He wasn't missing many games. He was putting up 30, 35, 40. Allen Iverson on the Sixers, six feet tall. He wasn't missing games. It's tough. Embiid's a new type of player, but he misses a lot of games. Jokic, for reference, is near nearest dearest competitor. Last year's the first year he ever played less than 70 games, and he played 69. So you have to be available. You have to be ready to play these games. If you're not playing these games, you do not deserve the award. And if your contract says you have to play these games to do it, you're, it's your own fault if you play through this and something happens. You have nothing to prove to anybody. The media can say what they want. You should be secure with yourself as a person and as a player. That whatever the media says will not get you to change your mind or change what you're going to do or change what's going on. Nothing. So I would love to talk about this with guests. And we'll definitely be bringing this up. I have a couple of folks lined up in the pipeline right now to be on the show. But that's my stance. If you're not available and you're not going to be able to play this number of games, you should not be able to be MVP. You should not be able to win anything. If you missed 22 out of 82, why should you be allowed to take home the most valuable award? What about if a guy who had similar numbers played 75 games and made a difference in more victories than you? 
I think that's all I need to say on the matter. And you might ask, why is his opinion relevant? You might say it's not. Been watching basketball for a long time, been broadcasting the sport for over 10 years, writing about it for 12, podcasting about it, slash being on the radio for nine. Look, I've watched thousands of basketball games, but I'm just a guy. I'm the same as any of these writers out there that just sit and say words. That's the truth. But I stand by what I say as a huge fan of the game and what's right with the game and somebody that's got the most random assortment of jerseys taking a, a shot. I take a shining to the most random of players, you know, just name them and their jerseys probably in there. I love guys that play hard and that are available. And Joel and, you know, Joel Embiid, a lot of contact happens. Jokic gets smashed on the arms every game too. So does Giannis. And they're not missing 30 games every season. It's tough when your body doesn't hold it down for you the way your game is holding it down for your squad. But that's sometimes how the cookie crumbles. With that said, I wish the absolute best for Embiid. Hope this meniscus doesn't keep him out for too long. Should he miss the All-Star game, maybe it's an avenue for Jared Allen to slide in and give the Cavs representation. But this discussion is far from over. We're going to continue it very soon. We've got a couple of people coming on the pod in the next week. We've got a trade deadline show coming next week. we got only Nets fan you know, good guy. Peter Dillon will be joining the show. we got Matt Perry coming on soon. We got some NBA writers that are going to be joining. We got the Chase Down folks coming through. Might have some other former Cavs we've been in touch with, and we're going to see if we can get the schedules aligned. So just wait. You don't have to hear me rant and ramble every episode, I promise. But if you like this, then I'll happily do more of it. Follow on Twitter at Across Cavs. If you want to hit up the network, 216 at network underscore 216 on Twitter and Instagram. They're on TikTok as well. And that's it for me. I'm Zach Weiss. This is Across the Cavs. We've got opinions on opinions, and we're here to dish. See y'all next time. <laughs>